0: You can also check us out online by going to OurAvenueChurch.com. We really pray that something in this message inspires and equips you to experience the way of life you were created to live in Christ. Enjoy. Um, would you guys give it up for my friend and brother, Pastor Jason Price? Come on, if you love your pastor, Pastor Stephen and Jennifer Moore, give it up for them. Come on, y'all. Can we get them a standing ovation for their leadership and faithfulness? Come on, y'all. I love them so much. You guys can be seated. Like he said, I hail from Charlotte, North Carolina Elevation Church. Y'all know Pastor Stephen Furtick, my pastor, my Facebook, YouTube, Instagram, following pastor, my swole bicep pastor, Lord Jesus. Yes, he is. I get to hold up those arms. Have you seen those arms? They're huge. But I just want to thank you so much um, for your your generosity and hospitality. Um, It's an honor to be here. I feel right at home. I'm actually a Jackson, Tennessee boy. Who who knows Jackson? Jackson, Tennessee, three people, four. Okay, great, yeah, Hub City. I'm not too far, two hours from here is where I grew up, but I'm in Charlotte now for five years as a campus pastor. But your generosity and hospitality has been phenomenal. My wife is on the front row. Y'all give it up for wifey Charmaine right here. But when we got here to the hotel, you guys, and I do say you guys, even if you didn't make a basket, your church made a basket for my kids. And my, my eight-year-old and my four-year-old lost their minds. Just, what is this? They're eating all the snacks. I'm like, they'll make for you. I'm the pastor here. They're like, nah, daddy, I'm a PK. Just know they authority. <laughs> and um, two weeks ago, I, I buried my grandmother. She was a, a faithful woman of God. We got to see uh, and celebrate her life and legacy. She has uh, almost four generations of pastors in her line, and I was really, really hurt. It was my first, like, close loss. Pastor Steven, we talk almost weekly um, about everything. I know everything going on here. I know all y'all business, but we, we, we conversate about what's going on, and, and I, I called him. I said, hey, man, this is pretty tough. Got to come back. I was just here two weeks ago. And your church was so generous. Y'all just took up a kingdom offering. And I'm proud of you guys because kingdom is bigger than church. And Jesus wanted to establish anything. If you read in the Bible, he wanted to establish a kingdom. A kingdom that would provide and love people that didn't look like you, didn't have your same background. And that's what you did in that time of need where I was just trying to figure out how to get home as fast as I could. Your church was loving and put your arms around me and made sure that me and my wife could get back home to see my grandma. And so I just want to say thank you. Thank you for your love. Thank you for giving. If you don't give, start giving in this church. It's a blessed church. Can I get an amen in the crowd? This ain't no ordinary church. The Holy Spirit is here, and I'm not going to prolong the, the time, but I do want to release something into you guys. Uh, you, you've been so hospitable and loving. I want to release miracles in this atmosphere. I was assigned, and that's part of my sermon, to not just preach, but to release something. And I was like, really, Jesus? I, I've never done that before. Like, this is cool. But, but my, my Father, my Heavenly Father says, if you need a miracle in this place today, this atmosphere today is poised for it. And it's not just because I'm saying it. You're like, what, what authority do you come in? Well, I come in not the authority of just my Heavenly Father, but your faithfulness. Your faithfulness to sow into this ministry, not just time, but your money, your resource. Y'all were serving. I love that. Give it up for that team again. Serving a community. That level of stewardship unlocks something. In heaven, the Bible says there's seed, time, and then harvest. You guys have sowed seed. You will reap a harvest if you would. But wait. Look at your neighbor and say, you got to wait on it. Now, miracles don't happen on your time. They happen on God's time. I heard y'all need a building, Pastor Stephen, because you're outgrowing, busting at the seams. Miracles come when God says so. So if you just stay and and be faithful, I don't know who this is for, but the person knows. And I'm thankful. I'm thankful to be here. Y'all ready to hear some preaching? All right, now listen, we got to practice, all right? This is my second time here, all right? But I feel like I'm at home. Y'all can shout me down, okay? If you hear something, you can say, that's good, all right? If you are married and you, you hear something for your spouse, like that's for them. You can point to them. Shout them down. You can say preach black man. I am, okay, racially liberated. All right, what does that mean? It's okay. I know I'm black. It's cool. It's all right. It's all good. <laughs> I'm not mad. But I want you guys to feel the freedom to talk with me and preach this sermon with me. I promise you, I will not go two hours if you preach with me. All right? If you don't say nothing, I'm going to just keep going because, you, you know, just playing. <laughs> Look, I love th- <laughs> My man, just on time. Just on time. If you have your Bibles, let's go to Nehemiah chapter 1. Nehemiah chapter 1. I'm excited. Can I honor one more person? Can I honor one of my actual, my e-group leader? He stewards my soul. He came all the way here from Charlotte, North Carolina, by way of Gaston, which is actually where my campus is. Y'all give it up for Preston in the back row. He hates this. He don't want no love, but he surprised me this morning all the way from Charlotte. I'm like, I got an entourage? Oh, my God. I have really moved up in the world. And Don't let the flannel fool you, man. We brothers from another mother. I'm telling you. He is my brother, man. I love him. Thank you for being here. I got friends in the room. I love it. We're going to start at Nehemiah chapter 1. Um, this is a word that's really heavy on my heart. I, can, I pray I get past my first point because the Holy Spirit was dealing with me so strongly. I don't know if anyone in here lately has seen the state of our world and our nation, the brokenness of it. And I just want to let you know that if, if you feel like or have any kind of, of burden or any kind of, of, of urgency for what you see in the news, for what you read, for what you see in the world, I want to let you know my assignment today is, is to unlock what's in you and to release you, to build, to unlock what's in you and to release you, to build. Now, I know Avenue Church is a church plant, but it's not just building the church alone. It's building a community. It's building a city. It's building a nation. It's rebuilding some of the brokenness of a very fiber of our U.S. of A. Have you seen it lately? Gender's being confused. School systems are being confused. Things all over are seem to be so misguided, and the truth It's so hard to find. Well, I believe God has given me a word from the book of Nehemiah to give you instruction. Look at your neighbor and say, you. That's going to be the one of 500 times you're going to look at your neighbor. Get used to that neighbor. They're going to know your voice by the end of this sermon. But I believe it, that God is going to unlock and release. Who's ready to receive that? If you're ready, make some noise. Let me hear you. All right, all right, all right. Y'all yelling like, I'm going to be done in 20 minutes. Y'all are good. Go to Nehemiah chapter 1. Let's jump into the text. It's my, it's my tradition to honor God's word by standing. If you don't mind, let's stand for the reading of God's word together. And in reason, Nehemiah 1, it says, The words of Nehemiah, son of Halakiah, in the month of Chazesia. <laughs> I made that up. Because <laughs> I ain't had no water. In the 12th year... While I was in Susa, the capital, one of my brothers, Haniah, came with a certain man from Judah, and I asked them about the Jews that survived, those who had escaped the captivity about Jerusalem. They replied, the survivors there in the province who escaped the captivity are great trouble and shame. They're in great trouble and shame. The wall of Jerusalem is broken And the gates have been destroyed by fire. This is really significant. I want to double tap that. The walls represented protection. The walls represented safety. The walls to the city represented if the city could actually sustain and grow. So I really want you to think about this not in U.S. of A terms where you can just walk into your neighbor's backyard cuz they don't have a fence and just let your dog do what he does. No, no, no. This is a city. These walls are high. They're everything. And they are broken down. They are broken down. When I heard these things, this is Nehemiah processing what he's heard. I sat down and wept. And mourned for days, fasting and praying before the God of heaven. I said, "O oh Lord God of heaven, the great and awesome God who keeps covenant and steadfast love with those who love him and keep his commandments. Let your ear be attentive and your eyes be open to hear the prayer of your servant. So Nehemiah hears the word about his city, about what's going on, how there's no protection. And the first thing you see in this text is that he begins to mourn. You can see the burden and the passion But wouldn't you, if you heard your city was destroyed, wouldn't you, if you knew your home was not what it used to be? So you see this anguish and I want you to feel that tension. And so Nehemiah, he's serving in a foreign land as a cupbearer to a king. And he knows he needs to go back home and rebuild these walls. He has a deep sense of purpose. And so Nehemiah chapter two, we're going to start at verse one there. It says, in the month of Nisan, in the 12th year of King Xerxes, when wine was served to him, I carried the wine and gave it to the king. So he is the cupbearer. Now I had never been sad before in his presence. I love that. The king said to me, why is your face sad? Since you are not sick, this can only be sadness of the heart. Then I was very much afraid. I said to the king, may the king live forever. Why should my face not be sad when the city, the place of my ancestors' graves lies waste and its gates have been destroyed by fire? Then the king said to me, what do you request? So I prayed to the God of heaven. Then I said to the king, if it pleases the king of your servant has found favor with you, I ask that you send me to Judah to the city of my ancestors' graves, so that I may rebuild it. The king said to me, the queen was also sitting beside him, how long will you be gone, and when will you return? So it pleased the king to send me, and I sent him a date. Then I said to the king, if it pleases the king, let the letters be given to me, governors of province beyond that river, that they may grant me passage until I arrive in Judah. And the letter to Asaph, the keeper of the king's forge, directed him to give me timber. So he gets authority, he gets access, he gets timber to make beams. He actually gets resource for the gates of the temple fortress and for the wall of the city and for the house that shall occupy. And the king granted me, and the king granted me what I asked. For the gracious hand of God was upon Me for a title today, just a little time with you if you don't mind. I believe, with all that's happening around us, that God has a special assignment, He wants to unlock and release something. And so, I want you to announce to your neighbor for the 550th time say, It's an inside job. Oh, that was not intense enough. Match my energy. Look at the other neighbor, say, Other neighbor, the job. It's on the inside. If you receive that word, come on, give God a praise in this place today. You guys can be seated. I want to honor the Lord, and I want to get into it. God, thank you so much for the word that you're going to speak. Holy Spirit, you're already here. Have your way. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm excited. I'm excited. It's an inside job. I'm excited to share this because I believe that God is doing something on the inside of his people like never before. And it's so necessary. And um, I don't know how many, how many parents do I have in the room? Come on, parents, make some noise. Well, yeah, okay, there you are. So you, you understand my dilemma of raising an eight-year-old and a four-year-old at the same time, all right? That sometimes they do not get alone, all right? And um, just recently, my, my son, he, he started playing multiple sports, trying to get him involved, trying to get, you know, get things going. And as he was playing sports, he's looking at his sister kind of bragging because they just won a game. You know, he kind of got a little swagger at eight now. He think he the man playing Minecraft. And he was like, look, Lavi," And Lavi like, look up to him. Love him. I mean, just adore her big brother. And he's like... We won. You know, he got the little swag. Now, listen, it's a participation trophy. And I don't know what your generation is, but I don't believe in that witchcraft. I'm sorry. The Lord God rebuked participation. Come on. No, mm -mm, Stephen, I don't care. I know I'm a millennial, but you got to earn it. So I say, sir, -uh, none of that. That trophy ain't even real. (laughs) I did. I did. Pray for my parenting skills. But I could not break my son's confidence in in, in, in what, what, what he believed. And what I realize in this moment, and my wife, my wife looks at me because she knows where I'm going with this, he gets that from me. It's something on the inside of him that's a little bit overconfident. If you know me at all, I sometimes don't always, sometimes don't always know exactly if I want to go in, but I'm going to act like I do. Come on, somebody. Who with me on that? Yeah, I know how to fix that. What is a, what is a wrench? What is this? It's something on the inside of me. Even when I was young, Stephen, I would get pick fights with my, my mouth that my, my fist could not bag up. So my big sister had to come bail me out. Praise the Lord for my big sister. Because it was something on the inside. It was something on the inside. Some of you, uh, you are more of the flight people. You know, you get into a verbal disagreement. You're like, you know what? We're not talking to Thursday of next year. Because you like, I don't even want the conflict because it's something on the inside that pushes you back, presses you forward. And I, I want to be ever so sensitive. You guys just came through a series of the Holy Spirit, and, and that is a powerful thing that God did for you. If you haven't heard that sermon series, please go back and listen to it. But you need to know that the power that God has given you, it's not just going to be in the resources you have. It's not just going to be in the friends that you call on, but it'll be something on the inside. My grandma would say it like this, it's something on the inside. She came from that old school when it was hard and when they had to get up at 4 a.m. and people don't even want to come to work at 9 30. You know what I'm saying? She was like, but it's something on the inside telling me to go ahead. Something on the inside. And I feel like this is where the Lord wants to do the work in our hearts today. But it's hard when you know that God has put something in you but everything around you comes against you. When coworkers don't align with what God said, when children don't want to listen to what God said, when neighbors come against you, when social media berates you. But I, I came to tell somebody today that God knows you. See, we can put on makeup and mascara. I don't wear either of the two, but I heard about it from my wife we can put on our best Sunday best, and you look good today. Let me tell you, Avenue Church, you a trendy-looking church. I like it. Love the t shirt sir. Love it. But it doesn't matter how I dress up the outside if my heart is not aligned with how God sees me from the inside. See, you need to know that God knows you. He formed you. In your mother's room, he sees who you really are. I'm talking about 5 a.m., bad breath, you need a tic-tac. Come on, you. He knows you when you upset. He knows your uprisings and your down settings, all the idiosyncrasies that if I, we took time, you'd be like, no, nah, Pastor Jay, don't talk about that. Don't talk about the controlling side of me. Don't talk about the overbearing side of me. He sees past what we project, and he sees who we really are. But this is the cool part about God, He loves you anyway. Anybody thankful for a God that sees them and loves them and embraces them? See, this is what I love about God. So, if I know that God sees me, why then do I sometimes run for what He has for me? Well, it's not so much that we have a hard time believing how God sees us, I think that's the easy part like, man, God, yeah, 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 He loves, yeah, I see God. But it's how we see ourselves. Because we know what we did last summer. Is that joke still relevant? No? Okay, cool. We know the things that we're still wrestling with. We know. See, it's one thing that God to know us, but we know us, how we really are. And I believe when I fail to see myself the way God views me, I miss out on what he has for me. I won't accept what he's trying to give me. He's trying to restore something in you, but you don't feel worthy. I don't know about you, but I battle with shame because I attach my work with my worth. If I'm not doing something great, then I'm not great. If nobody knows me, then I'm insignificant. And with that war in you, you will pass up on what God has for you. And it's hard to believe that God would choose something great for me, and it's me. Anybody can relate? It's me. <laughs> it's me that just couldn't pronounce that scripture and that word just right. It's me. Why am I up here? Do you feel that way? So why, why me? I don't have the right perfect size. I still can't fit my clothes from last summer, Jesus. Me? I'm still trying to figure out what my future looks like, and I have a hope, but I don't understand how to get there. Me? I remember in college... God was putting a burden on my heart for my college campus. And I was half the size I am now. And I was from Jackson, Tennessee, so nobody could understand what I was really saying. And I was a sophomore, so I was very insignificant. And it was hard for me to see what God had for me because all I could see was me. Nehemiah was more concerned, though. In Nehemiah chapter 1, he's just a barista to the king. Can you imagine him? He's a cupbearer. He's He making lattes and triple mocha. You see my Starbucks addiction. You see it coming out. He's all he is is serving drinks. And God, he sees the burden, but the burden's bigger than his ability. And I hear some of you in this room today, you like, God, how? How me? Because the burden that I have for this world, the burden that I have for your kingdom, the burden in my heart is bigger than my ability. And Nehemiah was not concerned just with his position, but he was more concerned of his positioning by God. I need you to know, I want to double tap this, God puts you right where you are. You are not where you are by accident. That job that you can barely stand, you're supposed to be there. That neighborhood that you want to get out of because it's not appreciating fast enough, you're supposed to be there. This Murfreesboro, Tennessee, this is right where you belong. And when you see that, then you can see how God has strategically, this is strategic on God's behalf. He knew his people would be there. And he placed Nehemiah right next to the king at just the right time. But it's not his position that makes him what he is in chapter 1. It's his alignment with the Spirit of God. See, he didn't see his position as something to lord over. He could have been cocky. His brothers are coming to visit him. They're saying, hey, the walls of our city are burned down. And you know what he could say? Like when we watch something that really burdens our heart, but we don't want to do nothing about it, we say, that's your problem. That's their issue. They can handle it. The government can fix it. Really? Well, the school system just needs to fill in the blank. Well, if only teenagers would just get their and Nehemiah could have done what often I find myself doing, just ignoring what I see. But he didn't. You see, Nehemiah goes to the place because his heart is aligned with God. And he does my first point, write this down. If you really want a to unlock something in you and do an inside job, he accepts the assignment. For my young people in the room, you can say Nehemiah understood the assignment. Come on, where y'all at? Three of y'all. Okay, cool. It's all right. I got that from Pastor Steven. Thank you, sir. He accepts the assignment. The alignment of his heart allows him to receive the assignment from God's hands. I'll say that again. The alignment of his heart, because he just didn't push the problem to the side. And this point is burning in my soul. If you've seen the school shootings, wave at me. And I know I have some teachers in this room. If if you're raising children currently, there's no way you can turn a blind eye and just say, oh, that's their problem. But I don't know if you feel this, but we have a problem as a nation. And it's not up to anybody beyond us to fix what God has put some inside of us. First, I want to give it up for all the teachers in the room. Can we make some noise? I met Chris. Y'all know Chris? Where Chris at? Is he in here? There he is. 25 years in middle school. He either is anointed or straight crazy. Middle school? But this man has accepted the what? See, it's easy to push it off on your neighbor. It's easy to ignore and turn the screen off. It's easy to hit mute on the Instagram story. But when you say, God, you put something in me that aligns with the burden around me. And you've given me authority. I need to double tap this. Nehemiah has kingdom authority. He doesn't have any resources to do what God wants him to do. He doesn't have any way to get to where God wants him to go. But he says, God, if you could just bless me. You see in chapter 1, you got to go back. I want to look at it one more time. It says, after he heard, verse 3, they replied, the survivors in the province who escaped captivity are in great trouble and shame, and the wall is broken down. When he heard these words, he sat down and wept. Have you taken a moment to say, God, what should I do? I want to talk to the people hiding. I came for you today. Hi. God says you got to come out, come out wherever you are. Whoever played hide and go seek with their kids, stop playing like you don't know. You think you hid and you behind the table and you know. I can see you. You think you're and you look like me hiding behind a microphone stand. The people on your job know you call. They know you got someone on the inside. Nehemiah took the moment and said, God, I can't hide from this one. Yeah, I'm safe in my suburban household with my two-car garage and my Tesla in the driveway. That's what he had according to the Old Testament. But he says, I have to do something. So his kingdom authority, watch this. He went to the king, and the king noticed because his posture was in alignment. He had never been sad before the king. Does your attitude align with your destiny? Okay, that's ain't for you. Okay, I'm going to move on. But the king noticed just by his face. Bible says we are the light of the world, a chosen generation. People should know when you walk through the door that you are God's. And so when the problem arises, they're looking at you. You praying? Sheila, you going to pray? Look, like How did you know I even like, go to church? Like, They can see, or can they? And the king sees him. Then the king said to me, verse 4, chapter 2, verse 4, what do you request? Somebody say access. Say it like this. Say, I have. Put your right hand in the air. I need you to wave it around like you just do care and say, I have kingdom access you ask yourself what can you do that's the wrong question you need to ask yourself what can God do there is nothing too hard for your God and if he's your father see my four-year-old understands this better than some of us in the room she knows she ain't got no money no job and nobody's car but if she hungry she get fed if she thirsty she get a drink if she needs something, she's like, we can get all these toys. I'm like, who bank account you looking at? She understands not what she has, but her access. God says, Hey, I need you to know you more than what you think you are. You more than what your mama said. You more than what happened to you. You're more than the insults and the abuse. You're more than that. You're my child. And you have, somebody shall access. But see, God can't give you access if you won't let him on the inside. Nehemiah understands the assignment, goes to the king. He says, king, my city is burning down. The king says, what is your request? He says, I need authority and I need provision. Who needs some provision in the room today? God says, it's yours. God says it's yours, but be careful. (laughs) Me and Pastor Stephen was talking about this. You can want the drink. You can want the promotion. You can want the access, but understand promotion come with pain because you're going to have 50 people yapping off your ear. I got five direct reports, and they feel like 5 million sometimes. Always want to call. What's going on? I mean, Lord Jesus Pray for your pastor. He's going through more than what you think, and I can say that. But in the words of Spider-Man, with great power comes great what? You got to understand the responsibility that comes with your request. He had a timeline. He says, when you're going to be back? God says the time is ticking on what you request. It's not just going to come when you think it should. And that was more prophetic than it was me preaching. That's not in my notes. Tick-tock, tick-tock, tick-tock. That's a Captain Hook reference, if you know where my OG's at. I'm old now. I got gray hairs and everything. The time is ticking. And Nehemiah had to surrender what he had to accept what God had. But when he goes in, he receives what he needs. He gets the kingdom access. This is point number two. You need to understand great power comes great responsibility. He expects the attack. What you gotta understand contextually, other cities did not wanna see him live. They did not wanna see these walls rebuilt. They did not wanna see this city come back together. And so he was coming up against something bigger than him. And this is important for you to understand when you go to God and he gives you the authority and the access. God says, There are some fights to build the family you wanna build, there are some fights to walk in the purpose you want to walk in? Who sees themselves walking in God's purpose? Who wants a healthy family in this room? Who sees themselves financially not just stable, but overflow, able to give more than they have? Who sees a community restored? God says this doesn't just happen. As soon as you want to do something for God, you should expect the enemy. I remember when they sent me after my internship to Gastonia, North Carolina, Jesus. Anybody that know Gastonia, I got to say it right. Oh, you do? Shout out to G-Town. I am, uh, like I said before, a black man. <laughs> and this is not a black city. This is not only a black city, but it does have history of tension. And I remember praying to go to Elevation Church because I saw YouTube and Pastor Steve. I'm like, oh, the worship, they're singing my song. Y'all sung when I was song. I'm like, yeah. I remember being a fanboy. And it's easy to want something on the other side without getting into the mud of what it really is. And so when I hit the mud, I had to deal with tensions of racism. I don't believe anybody is just racist. I know we have that in our nation, in our world. But it was a lack of clarity and connection. And I had to face that head on. But when you know what God has put somebody say on the inside, you won't project what's being pushed on you. Nehemiah knew the real fight. And as he walks into this city, like I walked to Gastonia, and I accepted my assignment. Nehemiah accepts his assignment. You have to accept your assignment to raise those kids because you are the mom for the assignment. Yes, you are. I know they cray-cray. You the mom. You have to accept the assignment at your job because God gave you leadership. You are the business owner. You are the person. You got to know that it's not going to look like what you imagine when you get there. When he gets there, this is chapter 5 for all my studious people. Go home and read it. The city is under, I mean, madness. They have no grain to eat. They have to mortgage their fields. And they have to sell their children into slavery just to pay for it. This city, the wall is not just broken from the outside, but it's also broken. Somebody say on the... So Nehemiah in chapter 5 has to fight even the Jewish leaderships that's charging interests of the people, robbing their own people. He has to go in and restore leadership and government as well. And if that wasn't enough, he has to fight on the outside. Have you ever been in a fight on the outside and in your mind? Come on, where are my honest people at for a moment? Not only do I have to go into a crazy workplace, but I'm also insecure about my ability. Not only do I have to go into my home and fight a significant other, but I also have to fight myself sometimes. So he got it from the inside and the outside. Let's go to chapter 6. Turn with me. I want to read a little bit because as he's trying to build, and I want to show you what he's trying to build. Let me show you a picture. We're going to look at the wall. Like I said, this is no ordinary wall like you would build at Lowe's, a wooden wall for your living room. No, 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 no. This is a massive wall with multiple gates, multiple entrances. And this is what the assignment is. This represents everything. And if you want to know what this means for you, even if you're a teenager in the room, it represents the integrity God wants you to protect. How people come in from all sides Twitter, Instagram. What else is out there? TikTok, Lord Jesus. We need a gate for TikTok. Can we get a gate and a wall for TikTok just by itself? I mean, this represents everything, it represents the different mindsets that try to come against you fear, anxiety. All the attack from every side. That's the significance with this wall in your life if you're just wondering, why is he preaching about a wall and we got Starbucks now and Walmart? Because the wall is now you. The city is now you. The Bible says a man that cannot control his spirit is like a city without without walls. Y'all know this verse? This is important. So he has to build this or rebuild. And so, as he's building, weapon in one hand, hammer in the other, fighting on one side, chapter 6 says this, when the word came from Sambalot, Tobiah Tobiah and Geshem, the Arab, and the rest of the world of our enemies, that I had rebuilt the wall, and not a gap was left in it. So he's accomplished his assignment. He's almost there. And now, attack comes. Right when he's about to finish, the plot thickens. Though up to that time I had not set the doors in the gates, Sambala and Geshem sent me this message. Come, let us meet together in one of the villages on the plain of Ono. They're trying to get him to come down from the wall, but they were scheming to harm me. So I sent them a message. To them with this reply, I am carrying on a great project and I cannot come down. I need somebody to know that in this place today, that where God has planted you and placed you, even Avenue Church, which is a lighthouse, you are carrying on a great project and you cannot come down. Do you believe that today? Do you receive that your home is a great project? Do you receive that your mind is a great project? You cannot come down. And they were scheming to harm me. He says, I can't come down. He says, I'm carrying on a great project. Why should the work stop while I leave and go down for you? Four times they sent me the same DM. Four times they sent me the same text message. Four times they sent me the same email. Four times. How many know that the enemy won't stop just one time with the temptation? Just one time with the attack. He's coming again. And again, and again, four times. And then the fifth time, Sambalai sent his aid to me with the same message. And in his hands was an unsealed letter. In it was written, It is reported among the nations, and Gashem says it's true, that you Jews are plotting to revolt. Lie. And therefore, you are building a wall. Moreover, according to these reports, you are about to become their king. Lie. Somebody say lie. And have even appointed prophets to make this proclamation about you in Jerusalem. Somebody say lie. There is a king in Judah. Now this report will get back to the king. So come let us meet together. See the enemy, he doesn't play fair. He'll lie and say you didn't do it. And you know you didn't. And then everybody will try to convince you that you did. He'll try to manipulate you. He'll use any tactic to get you to come down. But Nehemiah understands his assignment, and he stays on target. He says, I sent them reply, nothing like what you are saying is happening. You are just making it all up out of your head. Uh, Can anybody recognize when somebody making something up out of their head? Like, where did you get this from? This is not even real. What what are you doing? (laughs) And that's what you have to realize and recognize about the enemy. His lies are not powerful. You believing them are. I'll say it again, his lies can't really harm you, but your belief in the lies will. The same power that helps you believe that Jesus rose from the dead, the enemy will manipulate to believe that he's more powerful than he actually is. But he can only suggest to you to come down. Suggest to you that you can't make it. Suggest to you that you are not the person God selected. But how many know, as my grandma would say, shout out to grandma, that the devil is a liar. You heard this before. You had the same grandmama. The devil's lies only work to the level of authority that you give it. Will you give it authority to say you can't do it? Will you give it authority to make you quit? Will you give it authority? Will you empower his lies. I love this, this text in chapter 6 because chapter 6 is, is, is powerful. We see the attack on the outside as they're building and deception is coming and they're sending letters. But who is the Sambalot? I know if you need a baby name, there you go. Tobiah and Geshem. I try to get in the Holy Spirit and figure this out. But I think I finally have the assignments that's on our lives right now. The first one is anxiety. Our symbolite is not an actual king trying to get us to rebuild a wall. It's anxiety trying to overwhelm us in our economy. Inflation is doing this. The school system is doing this, but God says, what am I doing? Is your focus more on the anxiety you feel or the peace I want to give to you? He said, I'll give you peace that surpasses your understanding. But how can I understand what I am not in? His word is what I have to be in to receive the peace that I have. Who's battled with some anxiety in their life? Wave at me if I know. Okay. Second one is fear. It's not these funny uh, Jewish names that y'all trying to understand. It's fear. You know that name very well. Speaking to you. Sending you messages. Telling you what you can and can't do. But God says in the last point that I want to make today. You have to allow God to do the work in you. Look at your neighbor and say, is it in you? Oh, that was so weak. I need Avenue Church to preach with a black man today. Say, is it in you? There you go. Hey, say with your chest and words of Kevin Hart. Is it in you? I remember, Preston, when we were coming back from the pandemic. What a difficult time. You guys were planning And we were coming back. And I don't know which is harder. I'll give it to you because playing the church, oh, my Lord. And, And just to be so honest and so vulnerable with you, in that season, anxiety, fear, and insecurity were my best friends. I made them breakfast in the morning. I checked in on them in the afternoon. I consulted those three things more than I consulted the Spirit of God. And I'm not ashamed to say it because I'm a human being. And as I was looking at a campus that used to be a thousand people, and the an auditorium seats 541, and I got 30 people, and I got about three volunteers, and guess what, guys? We're non-permanent just like you. We sit up and tear down just like you. I'm like, Lord, what is going on? And at the lowest point in this moment, I'm questioning not just can i do this but did god make the right choice me there it is again me can i can i rebuild this and if that wasn't enough the attack on the outside from all that was going on in our world i don't know if you remember george floyd that was right around the same season if it couldn't be enough the attack on the inside got louder. People started to leave. People wouldn't come back. And I'm looking to my wife and I'm like, can I, is this it? Is this the end? Is this all I got? Sacrificing, coming and being an intern, and now this is the end of the chapter, God? Some of you say that about the situation you're in right now. Is this it, God? God. Is this all my health is going to be? Is this all my life will amount to? And my point three is the hardest one to get, but it's the most powerful one. You have to allow God to do the work in you. As Nehemiah is getting attacked on the outside, you got to know when the attack on the outside is strong, there's something greater on the inside of you. The Bible says greater is he that's with in you than he that's what? within the world. God says, I have begun a good work in you, and I will bring it to completion, Philippians 1.6. You got to know that what God started, he will not stop. But how do we see this in the text? I love it because in 6.9, if you can see Nehemiah building, And he's being attacked on the outside. The city is a rubble on the inside, trying to rebuild on both sides. Some of you feel like that in your life and in your mind. And I relate to Nehemiah because I remember sitting on my steps at my home and saying, is this it? But he got honest with God. And this is the place where anxiety and fear and depression and all what the enemy is attacking you with has to cease. When you get into the presence of God and you're honest with him, and this is Nehemiah, I believe he drops to his knees. And in 6-9, he prays a prayer that I wish you would pray in those moments where nobody sees your tears, where nobody knows what you're going through. When you feel like you can't overcome, he says, Lord, don't build a wall for me don't do all the things. He says, Lord, strengthen my hands. He says, their hands will get too weak for the work, and I prayed not to be completed, and it will not be completed, but I prayed. Now, somebody say now. Come on, say it like you mean to say "Now." now. Now, God, strengthen my hands. Now, God, don't just build the wall for me. Don't just build the family for me. Don't just revive the business for me. Don't just change the community for me. That's why I love Avenue Church. Y'all out here serving in your community, showing up on Sunday. Don't just do it for me. Strengthen me to do it for you. And we see Nehemiah, allow God. But what does that take? This is a sub point. Your vulnerability will lead to your victory. Some of you are overwhelmed. You haven't told anyone. Some of you are still trying to figure out how to do it by yourself. No, no, no. God says, not only is my spirit with you, but I've surrounded you with people that love you. You just got to let them in because it's an inside job. Look at your neighbor and say, it's an inside job. You got to let somebody in. You got to let somebody into. The pressure you feel, the anxiety that you're facing. I made it a regular thing to go to therapy. Because I was so I remember I wanted to run out the auditorium one day, Stephen. I was like, Can we build this? I had somebody come pray for me immediately. Hey, can you just pray for me? And I just told him, Not afraid. Now be careful, gotta tell the right people. One of the people, oh, oh, can we go there real quick? One of the people was a priest trying to get Nehemiah to come down from the work. See, it was an inside job by Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem. They had hired that priest to get Nehemiah to come down and try to come into the temple. But Nehemiah would not lower his integrity and his standards because he knew what God had called him to. What am I saying? He knew if he walked into the temple, the people would no longer respect him because he didn't respect the house of God. So he's like, "Uh uh-uh, I'm not going to let what's on the inside get to me. Fear tries to make you compromise. Anxiety tries to make you belittle yourself. The peace of God is there to raise the standard. The Bible says when the enemy will come in like a flood, the spirit of the Lord will lift up a standard against him. Raise the standard back up. You cannot come down. You cannot come down. If you're not serving in this house today, I want to give the best volunteer push you could ever make. Your purpose is more important than anything in your life. When you are on assignment, it keeps things out and the right things in. It was so cool. I wish you could have seen it. We got here like 6 a.m. And we we had prayer at 8 a.m. And one of your most faithful volunteers, he's going to back surgery. And his whole community just surrounded him this morning. He's right here. Y'all give it up for him right here. He, I ain't going to say his name. I don't know if he wants that to be public. Don't pray for him again, okay? He already prayed for a hundred times, okay? But I love that. Not only that, it's another volunteer here. I got a chance to hear her story. Her name is Jordan. I don't know if you know Jordan, but she came here, and she was looking for Avenue Church. Yeah, she didn't know that's the name of it, but she needed it. And in the moment in her life that she needed transformation, that she needed something more from God. You guys were here, and she got baptized. The picture would be right behind me. She got baptized as your last baptism Sunday. Come on, Avenue Church, give it up for yourself. You're building, look at somebody say, you're building a great work. But see, somebody has to set up the tank for the water to get in. I know that, that's the behind the scenes. Somebody has to say, there's enough purpose here. There's enough promise here that I want to see my kids and my kids' kids be blessed by mine steadfastness. What I love about this, the last time we had Baptism Sunday, my four-year-old little girl and son, we prayed over the baptism tank together. Now, they may may forget that and go watch Beyblades or whatever, My Little Pony, whatever they be watching now and not even remember that. But it's something I want to put in them. It's something my words can't put in them. It's something my discipline can't always put in them. It's something me grounding them when they don't act right can't put in them. One of the strategies I feel like God gave me as a parent, and I told my wife this, because it's so much coming against them. So much coming against them. You can go ahead and stand, play something pretty on the keys, so I'll close. I'm done, y'all. But what's so, yeah, go ahead and get on up. You good. Go ahead, scratch your legs. God says, Jason, stop worrying about. All the things that's coming to attack them, their identity, who they are in you, who they are in me, all the things trying to attack them from the outside. He says, remember what your mom did. Remember what your your grandma did. They didn't focus on everything coming against you. They tried to put more in you than what was coming against you. So in this place today, I want to release a spiritual blessing. Lift those hands. And I want to declare over you that God is working his grace in you, his peace in you. Some of you need it today. If that's you right now, just say, I need you, Lord. God, we come to you, God, with our hands open and our hearts ready to receive, the kingdom authority. But, God, sometimes our own insecurity gets in the way. But, Father, we declare that greater is he that's within me, that your love is coming even now, that your peace is coming even now. To remind me, I am not just a Christian. I'm a child of God. I have access. I have favor. There's open doors that you are doing right now. Even as we were worshiping God, walls were falling down. And you are restoring and healing and releasing in this place. Father, as our pastors of this house are blessed, so will the people be. And so we declare a blessing over them and a blessing in this moment. If you've never received Jesus, I believe that's the ultimate thing you could receive is salvation on the inside. And so I want to pray together. And we're going to pray out loud for someone praying this for the first time. You're receiving Jesus. And the Bible says, if you confess with your mouth, believe in your heart that he rose from the dead, you shall be saved. So right now, let's pray this out loud together. Say, Lord Jesus, I believe that you died for me. and rose again with all power. Power over my sin." and power over my shame. And now I commit my life to you, my heart to you, and I will follow you. By faith, let's celebrate those giving their hearts to Jesus today. Come on, Avenue Church, you can do better than that. I pray in Jesus' name that you receive it on the inside that the work must not stop. If you're a parent, if you're an auntie, if you're a big brother, this generation needs us. Let's prevent some of the things we see in the news by being consistent, faithful, caring, and all God called us to be. I love you guys. I love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen.